Meditation helps us live with the peace and purpose of Christ. Download the Abide app today and start your practice of daily meditation. Welcome to this bedtime story, A Christmas Carol, adapted from Charles Dickens's classic novel. As we prepare to hear this story of redemption and generosity, get comfortable. Let your head sink into the pillow. Stretch out your arms and legs. Take slow, deep breaths and let your muscles relax. Enjoy the sensation of your body resting and recovering after a long day. Close your eyes and meditate on the peace of God. Remember, sleep is a gift from God. Psalm 4.8 tells us, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Accept God's gift of sleep and his peace as we listen to a Christmas story that reflects many lessons God teaches us in Scripture. A Christmas Carol was first published in 1843, telling the fictitious story of a greedy London businessman named Ebenezer Scrooge. He was so selfish that he refused to give his workers enough coal to stay warm during the bitter cold winters. He was so selfish that he refused to donate money to a fundraiser for the poor. He was so selfish, in fact, that he hated Christmas. It was, after all, a holiday filled with cheer and generosity, things he despised. Scrooge lived only for himself. His perspective changed when three spirits visited him at night and let him see his past, his present, and his future. Join with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being the perfect model of generosity, compassion, and forgiveness. Your love for us never ends. We are in awe of you. I ask that you help this child of God rest in your presence. Soothe their aching muscles. Calm their minds. Grant them peace as they release their troubles to you. Give them tranquil dreams and Christ-centered thoughts. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.
As we begin this bedtime story, it is three in the afternoon on Christmas Eve. But while many of London's citizens are preparing for a feast with their families, Ebenezer Scrooge and his clerk are at work in Scrooge's business. It is cold, bleak and foggy outside. Candles are flaring in the windows of the neighbouring offices like ruddy smears upon the palpable brown air. Scrooge has a fire, but the clerk's fire is so much smaller that it looks like it was made with one piece of coal. But the clerk can't replenish it, for Scrooge keeps the coal box in his own room. The clerk, his name is Bob Cratchit, puts on his white comforter and tries to warm himself with his one single candle. He shivers. Just then, someone enters the business. A Merry Christmas, Uncle! God save you! cried a cheerful voice. It was the voice of Scrooge's nephew. Bah! said Scrooge. Humbug! Scrooge's nephew was all in a glow. His face was reddish and handsome. His eyes sparkled. What right have you to be so dismal? The nephew asked Scrooge. What reason have you to be gloomy? You're rich enough. What else can I be? returned Scrooge. When I live in such a world of fools as this, what's Christmas time to you but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a year older, but not an hour richer. If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with a Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart he should. Uncle, pleaded the nephew. Nephew, Scrooge said. Keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. That very night, though, Scrooge's outlook on life was forever changed as three spirits visited him. The ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future. Scrooge awoke that night, cold and troubled. It was so dark in his room that looking out of bed, he could scarcely distinguish the transparent window from the walls. He was still trying to pierce the darkness with his eyes when the chimes of a neighboring church struck one o'clock. Suddenly, the curtains of his bed were drawn aside by a hand. Scrooge, starting up into a half-recumbent attitude, found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who drew them. It was a strange figure, like a child, yet not so like a child as like an old man. Who and what are you? Scrooge demanded. I am the ghost of Christmas past. 
You mean, long ago past? inquired Scrooge. No, your past, the ghost of Christmas past replied. Rise and walk with me. It would have been in vain for Scrooge to plead that the weather and the hour were not adapted to pedestrian purposes, that the bed was warm, and that the thermometer a long way below freezing, that he was nursing a cold too. Scrooge took the hand of the spirit, who transported Scrooge to scenes of his childhood, his school, his home, the streets where he once played. The ghost of Christmas past even showed Scrooge a scene from his years as a young adult when he broke a girl's heart. The younger Scrooge was sitting outdoors besides a fair young girl in a morning dress. She was crying. An idol has displaced me in your life, she said. A golden one. The girl continued. You fear the world too much. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one until your master passion, money, engrosses you. She left him, and they parted. Scrooge begged the spirit, Show me no more. Please take me home. The ghost of Christmas past obliged Scrooge, who, back in his house, quickly sank into a heavy sleep. Awaking in the middle of a prodigiously tough snore, and sitting up in bed to get his thoughts together, Scrooge heard the clocks chime once again. He also saw a ghostly light apparently emanating from the adjoining room. He got up softly and shuffled in his slippers to the door. The moment Scrooge's hand was on the lock, a strange voice called him by his name and told him to enter. He obeyed. Scrooge entered timidly and hung his head before this spirit. He was not the dogged Scrooge he had been, and though the spirit's eyes were clear and kind, he did not want to meet them. I am the ghost of Christmas present, said the spirit. Heaped up on the floor were all sorts of foods. Turkeys, geese, poultry, plum puddings, barrels of oysters, red-hot chestnuts, cherry-cheeked apples, juicy oranges, and seething bowls of punch. You have never seen the likes of me before, exclaimed the spirit. Never, Scrooge responded. Touch my robe, the ghost of Christmas presents said. Scrooge did as he was told, and held it fast. Suddenly they were transported to the joy-filled home of his clerk, Bob Cratchit, who was helping his wife prepare a Christmas meal for them and their six children. Among those was smiling Tiny Tim, a crippled boy who hobbled around using a crutch. Often his father carried him, 
The Christmas meal included goose, mashed potatoes, apple sauce, Christmas pudding, and roasting chestnuts. Bob led the family in a toast. A Merry Christmas to all, my dears. God bless us, which all the family re-echoed. God bless us, everyone, said Tiny Tim the last of all. He sat very close to his father's side upon his little stool. Bob held his withered little hand in his, as if he dreaded that he might die and be taken from him. Spirit, said Scrooge, tell me if Tiny Tim will live. I see a vacant seat, replied the ghost. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. No, no, said Scrooge. Oh, no, kind spirit, say he will be spared. Just then, Scrooge heard his name. Bob was crediting Scrooge and his job for the meal. Thank you, Mr. Scrooge, Bob said. An irritated Mrs. Cratchit, though, would have none of it. I wish I had him here, she said. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I hope he'd have a good appetite for it. He's an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling man. Scrooge was the ogre of the family. The mention of his name cast a dark shadow on the party, which was not dispelled for a full five minutes. Scrooge was overcome with penitence and grief. This time Scrooge did not fall back asleep. Back in his house, he thought about Tiny Tim, about his employees, about his lack of generosity. Just then, another spirit, a third one, approached him, slowly, gravely, and silently. Are you the ghost of Christmas future? Scrooge asked. The spirit did not answer, but instead pointed onward with its hand. The spirit transported Scrooge to the scene of a group of businessmen who were chatting about the week's events. They were discussing the death of an old man. They were talking about the passing of Ebenezer Scrooge himself. When did he die? asked one of them. Last night, I believe. It's likely to be a very cheap funeral said the first man, for upon my life I don't know of anybody who will go to it. No one liked him. I don't mind going if a lunch is provided, one of the men chuckled. Everyone laughed. Scrooge was horrified. He pleaded with the spirit, let me see some tenderness connected with a death. The spirit transported Scrooge to the house of his clerk, 
Bob Cratchit. The mother and her daughters were engaged in sewing. One of the boys was reading from the Bible. Suddenly, Bob Cratchit arrived home. Don't mind it, father. Don't be grieved. One of the girls exclaimed. He had been visiting Tiny Tim's grave. I wish you could have gone, Bob told his wife. It would have done you good to see how green a place it is. But you'll see it often. The spirit of Christmas future took Scrooge to one more place. An old, grassy and neglected grave. Bearing his own name. Ebenezer Scrooge, the gravestone said. It appeared as if no one had ever cared for the headstone. Why would they? It seemed no one liked the old man. Scrooge, in agony, pleaded to the ghost of Christmas future. He would change. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year, he said. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. I will not shut out the lessons I have learned. Oh, tell me I may sponge away the writing of this stone. The next morning, Scrooge jumped out of bed, fluttered and glowing with his good intentions. He was thrilled to be alive, thankful for a second chance. I don't know what to do, Scrooge said, laughing and crying in the same breath. I am as light as a feather. I am as happy as an angel. I am as merry as a schoolboy. He opened his bedroom window and shouted out to everyone on the street below. Merry Christmas to everybody! A Happy New Year to all the world! Scrooge bought a turkey and had it sent to Bob Cratchit's house. He went to church and walked about the streets. He watched people hurrying to and fro and patted children on the head. Indeed, he found that everything could yield him pleasure. He had never dreamed that any walk through the city, that anything, could give him so much happiness. The next morning, he was in the office early, waiting for his clerk. The clerk he had treated with contempt. Scrooge sat with his door wide open, that he might see him come in. A Merry Christmas, Bob! Scrooge said, with an earnestness that could not be mistaken, as he patted him on the back. A merrier Christmas, Bob, my good fellow, than I have given you for many a year. I'll raise your salary and endeavor to assist your struggling family. Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all, and infinitely more, and to Tiny Tim, who did not die. He was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man 
as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. It was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. May that be truly said of us and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. Ebenezer Scrooge got a second chance in life. Of course, we do too, each day. His story, in many ways, is our story. We serve a God of second chances, a God who saved our souls and wants us to represent Him wherever we go. He's a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness, compassion and redemption. All the things Ebenezer Scrooge lacked until he was given a second chance. As you lay in bed now, rest in his presence, abide in his loving care, receive his everlasting peace. Let me pray for you. Dear God, thank you for this marvelous classic story that models the way you want us to live our lives as joy-filled people who have been given a second chance in life. I pray for this child of God that you will grant them wonderful dreams, supernatural peace, and your marvelous presence. Help them to wake up refreshed, ready to serve your kingdom. Bless them and guide them wherever they walk. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. As we prepare to hear this story of redemption and generosity, get comfortable. Let your head sink into the pillow. Stretch out your arms and legs. Take slow, deep breaths and let your muscles relax. Enjoy the sensation of your body resting and recovering after a long day. Close your eyes and meditate on the peace of God. Remember, sleep is a gift from God. Psalm 4.8 tells us, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, Make me dwell in safety. Accept God's gift of sleep and his peace 
as we listen to a Christmas story that reflects many lessons God teaches us in Scripture. A Christmas Carol was first published in 1843, telling the fictitious story of a greedy London businessman named Ebenezer Scrooge. He was so selfish that he refused to give his workers enough coal to stay warm during the bitter cold winters. He was so selfish that he refused to donate money to a fundraiser for the poor. He was so selfish, in fact, that he hated Christmas. It was, after all, a holiday filled with cheer and generosity, things he despised. Scrooge lived only for himself. His perspective changed when three spirits visited him at night and let him see his past, his present, and his future. Join with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being the perfect model of generosity, compassion, and forgiveness. Your love for us never ends. We are in awe of you. I ask that you help this child of God rest in your presence. Soothe their aching muscles, calm their mind, grant them peace as they release their troubles to you. Give them tranquil dreams and Christ-centered thoughts. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. As we begin this bedtime story, it is three in the afternoon on Christmas Eve. But while many of London's citizens are preparing for a feast with their families, Ebenezer Scrooge and his clerk are at work in Scrooge's business. It is cold, bleak and foggy outside. Candles are flaring in the windows of the neighboring offices like ruddy smears upon the palpable brown air. Scrooge has a fire, but the clerk's fire is so much smaller that it looks like it was made with one piece of coal. But the clerk can't replenish it, for Scrooge keeps the coal box in his own room. The clerk, his name is Bob Cratchit, puts on his white comforter and tries to warm himself with his one single candle. He shivers. Just then, someone enters the business. A Merry Christmas, Uncle! God save you! cried a cheerful voice. It was the voice of Scrooge's nephew. Bah! said Scrooge. Humbug! Scrooge's nephew was all in a glow. His face was reddish and handsome. His eyes sparkled. 
What right have you to be so dismal? The nephew asked Scrooge. What reason have you to be gloomy? You're rich enough. What else can I be? Returned Scrooge. When I live in such a world of fools as this, what's Christmas time to you but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a year older, but not an hour richer. If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with a Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart he should. Uncle, pleaded the nephew. Nephew, Scrooge said. Keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. That very night, though, Scrooge's outlook on life was forever changed as three spirits visited him. The ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future. Scrooge awoke that night, cold and troubled. It was so dark in his room that looking out of bed, he could scarcely distinguish the transparent window from the walls. He was still trying to pierce the darkness with his eyes when the chimes of a neighboring church struck one o'clock. Suddenly, the curtains of his bed were drawn aside by a hand. Scrooge, starting up into a half-recumbent attitude, found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who drew them. It was a strange figure, like a child, yet not so like a child as like an old man. Who and what are you? Scrooge demanded. I am the ghost of Christmas past. You mean long ago past? inquired Scrooge. No, your past, the ghost of Christmas past replied. Rise and walk with me. It would have been in vain for Scrooge to plead that the weather and the hour were not adapted to pedestrian purposes, that the bed was warm, and that the thermometer a long way below freezing, that he was nursing a cold, too. Scrooge took the hand of the spirit, who transported Scrooge to scenes of his childhood, his school, his home, the streets where he once played. The ghost of Christmas past even showed Scrooge a scene from his years as a young adult when he broke a girl's heart. The younger Scrooge was sitting outdoors besides a fair young girl in a morning dress. She was crying. An idol has displaced me in your life, she said. A golden one. The girl continued. You fear the world too much. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one until your master passion, money, engrosses you. She left him, and they parted. 
Scrooge begged the spirit. Show me no more. Please take me home. The ghost of Christmas past obliged Scrooge, who, back in his house, quickly sank into a heavy sleep. Awaking in the middle of a prodigiously tough snore, and sitting up in bed to get his thoughts together, Scrooge heard the clocks chime once again. He also saw a ghostly light, apparently emanating from the adjoining room. He got up softly and shuffled in his slippers to the door. The moment Scrooge's hand was on the lock, a strange voice called him by his name and told him to enter. He obeyed. Scrooge entered timidly and hung his head before this spirit. He was not the dogged Scrooge he had been, and though the spirit's eyes were clear and kind, he did not want to meet them. I am the ghost of Christmas present, said the spirit. Heaped up on the floor were all sorts of foods. Turkeys, geese, poultry, plum puddings, barrels of oysters, red-hot chestnuts, cherry-cheeked apples, juicy oranges, and seething bowls of punch. You have never seen the likes of me before, exclaimed the spirit. Never, Scrooge responded. Touch my robe, the ghost of Christmas present said. Scrooge did as he was told and held it fast. Suddenly they were transported to the joy-filled home of his clerk, Bob Cratchit, who was helping his wife prepare a Christmas meal for them and their six children. Among those was smiling Tiny Tim, a crippled boy who hobbled around using a crutch. Often his father carried him. The Christmas meal included goose, mashed potatoes, apple sauce, Christmas pudding and roasting chestnuts. Bob led the family in a toast. A Merry Christmas to all, my dears. God bless us, which all the family re-echoed. God bless us, everyone, said Tiny Tim the last of all. He sat very close to his father's side upon his little stool. Bob held his withered little hand in his, as if he dreaded that he might die and be taken from him. Spirit, said Scrooge, tell me if Tiny Tim will live. I see a vacant seat, replied the ghost. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. No, no, said Scrooge. Oh, no, kind spirit, say he will be spared. Just then, Scrooge heard his name. Bob was crediting Scrooge and his job for the meal. Thank you, Mr. Scrooge, Bob said. An irritated Mrs. Cratchit, though, would have none of it. 
I wish I had him here, she said. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I hope he'd have a good appetite for it. He's an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling man. Scrooge was the ogre of the family. The mention of his name cast a dark shadow on the party, which was not dispelled for a full five minutes. Scrooge was overcome with penitence and grief. This time Scrooge did not fall back asleep. Back in his house, he thought about Tiny Tim, about his employees, about his lack of generosity. Just then, another spirit, a third one, approached him, slowly, gravely, and silently. Are you the ghost of Christmas future? Scrooge asked. The spirit did not answer, but instead pointed onward with its hand. The spirit transported Scrooge to the scene of a group of businessmen who were chatting about the week's events. They were discussing the death of an old man. They were talking about the passing of Ebenezer Scrooge himself. When did he die? asked one of them. Last night, I believe. It's likely to be a very cheap funeral said the first man, for upon my life I don't know of anybody who will go to it. No one liked him. I don't mind going if a lunch is provided, one of the men chuckled. Everyone laughed. Scrooge was horrified. He pleaded with the spirit, Let me see some tenderness connected with a death. The spirit transported Scrooge to the house of his clerk, Bob Cratchit. The mother and her daughters were engaged in sewing. One of the boys was reading from the Bible. Suddenly, Bob Cratchit arrived home. Don't mind it, father. Don't be grieved. One of the girls exclaimed. He had been visiting Tiny Tim's grave. I wish you could have gone. Bob told his wife. It would have done you good to see how green a place it is. But you'll see it often. The spirit of Christmas future took Scrooge to one more place. An old, grassy and neglected grave. Bearing his own name. Ebenezer Scrooge, the gravestone said. It appeared as if no one had ever cared for the headstone. Why would they? It seemed no one liked the old man. Scrooge, in agony, pleaded to the ghost of Christmas future. He would change. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year, he said. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. I will not shut out the lessons I have learned. Oh, tell me I may sponge away the writing of this stone.
The next morning, Scrooge jumped out of bed, fluttered and glowing with his good intentions. He was thrilled to be alive, thankful for a second chance. I don't know what to do, Scrooge said, laughing and crying in the same breath. I am as light as a feather. I am as happy as an angel. I am as merry as a schoolboy. He opened his bedroom window and shouted out to everyone on the street below. Merry Christmas to everybody. A happy new year to all the world. Scrooge bought a turkey and had it sent to Bob Cratchit's house. He went to church and walked about the streets. He watched people hurrying to and fro and patted children on the head. Indeed, he found that everything could yield him pleasure. He had never dreamed that any walk through the city, that anything could give him so much happiness. The next morning, he was in the office early, waiting for his clerk, the clerk he had treated with contempt. Scrooge sat with his door wide open that he might see him come in. A Merry Christmas, Bob, Scrooge said, with an earnestness that could not be mistaken as he patted him on the back. A merrier Christmas, Bob, my good fellow, than I have given you for many a year. I'll raise your salary and endeavor to assist your struggling family. Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all, and infinitely more, and to Tiny Tim, who did not die. He was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. It was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. May that be truly said of us, and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. Ebenezer Scrooge got a second chance in life. Of course, we do too, each day. His story, in many ways, is our story. We serve a God of second chances, a God who saved our souls and wants us to represent him wherever we go. He's a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness, compassion and redemption. All the things Ebenezer Scrooge lacked until he was given a second chance. As you lay in bed now, rest in his presence, abide in his loving care, receive 
his everlasting peace. Let me pray for you. Dear God, thank you for this marvelous classic story that models the way you want us to live our lives as joy-filled people who have been given a second chance in life. I pray for this child of God that you will grant them wonderful dreams, supernatural peace, and your marvelous presence. Help them to wake up refreshed, ready to serve your kingdom. Bless them and guide them wherever they walk. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. As we prepare to hear this story of redemption and generosity, get comfortable. Let your head sink into the pillow. Stretch out your arms and legs. Take slow, deep breaths and let your muscles relax. Enjoy the sensation of your body resting and recovering after a long day. Close your eyes and meditate on the peace of God. Remember, sleep is a gift from God. Psalm 4.8 tells us, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Accept God's gift of sleep and his peace as we listen to a Christmas story that reflects many lessons God teaches us in Scripture. A Christmas Carol was first published in 1843, telling the fictitious story of a greedy London businessman named Ebenezer Scrooge. He was so selfish that he refused to give his workers enough coal to stay warm during the bitter cold winters. He was so selfish that he refused to donate money to a fundraiser for the poor. He was so selfish, in fact, that he hated Christmas. It was, after all, a holiday filled with cheer and generosity things he despised. Scrooge lived only for himself. His perspective changed when three spirits visited him at night and let him see his past, his present, and his future. Join with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you 
for being the perfect model of generosity, compassion and forgiveness. Your love for us never ends. We are in awe of you. I ask that you help this child of God rest in your presence. Soothe their aching muscles, calm their mind, grant them peace as they release their troubles to you. Give them tranquil dreams and Christ-centered thoughts. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. As we begin this bedtime story, it is three in the afternoon on Christmas Eve. But while many of London's citizens are preparing for a feast with their families, Ebenezer Scrooge and his clerk are at work in Scrooge's business. It is cold, bleak and foggy outside. Candles are flaring in the windows of the neighboring offices like ruddy smears upon the palpable brown air. Scrooge has a fire, but the clerk's fire is so much smaller that it looks like it was made with one piece of coal. But the clerk can't replenish it, for Scrooge keeps the coal box in his own room. The clerk, his name is Bob Cratchit, puts on his white comforter and tries to warm himself with his one single candle. He shivers. Just then, someone enters the business. A Merry Christmas, Uncle! God save you! cried a cheerful voice. It was the voice of Scrooge's nephew. Bah! said Scrooge. Humbug! Scrooge's nephew was all in a glow. His face was reddish and handsome. His eyes sparkled. What right have you to be so dismal? The nephew asked Scrooge. What reason have you to be gloomy? You're rich enough. What else can I be? returned Scrooge. When I live in such a world of fools as this, what's Christmas time to you but a time for paying bills without money, a time for finding yourself a year older, but not an hour richer? If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with a Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart he should. Uncle, pleaded the nephew. Nephew, Scrooge said. Keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. That very night, though, Scrooge's outlook on life was forever changed as three spirits visited him. The ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future. Scrooge awoke that night, cold and troubled. It was so dark in his room that looking out of bed, 
he could scarcely distinguish the transparent window from the walls. He was still trying to pierce the darkness with his eyes when the chimes of a neighboring church struck one o'clock. Suddenly, the curtains of his bed were drawn aside by a hand. Scrooge, starting up into a half-recumbent attitude, found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who drew them. It was a strange figure, like a child, yet not so like a child as like an old man. Who and what are you? Scrooge demanded. I am the ghost of Christmas past. You mean long ago past? inquired Scrooge. No, your past, the ghost of Christmas past replied. Rise and walk with me. It would have been in vain for Scrooge to plead that the weather and the hour were not adapted to pedestrian purposes, that the bed was warm, and that the thermometer a long way below freezing, that he was nursing a cold, too. Scrooge took the hand of the spirit, who transported Scrooge to scenes of his childhood, his school, his home, the streets where he once played. The ghost of Christmas past even showed Scrooge a scene from his years as a young adult when he broke a girl's heart. The younger Scrooge was sitting outdoors besides a fair young girl in a morning dress. She was crying. An idol has displaced me in your life, she said. A golden one. The girl continued. You fear the world too much. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one until your master passion, money, engrosses you. She left him, and they parted. Scrooge begged the spirit, Show me no more. Please take me home. The ghost of Christmas past obliged Scrooge who, back in his house, quickly sank into a heavy sleep. Awaking in the middle of a prodigiously tough snore, and sitting up in bed to get his thoughts together, Scrooge heard the clocks chime once again. He also saw a ghostly light, apparently emanating from the adjoining room. He got up softly, and shuffled in his slippers to the door. The moment Scrooge's hand was on the lock, a strange voice called him by his name and told him to enter. He obeyed. Scrooge entered timidly and hung his head before this spirit. He was not the dogged Scrooge he had been, and though the spirit's eyes were clear and kind, he did not want to meet them. I am the ghost of Christmas present, said the spirit. Heaped up on the floor were all sorts of foods. Turkeys, geese, poultry, plum puddings, barrels of oysters, red-hot chestnuts, 
cherry-cheeked apples, juicy oranges, and seething bowls of punch. You have never seen the likes of me before, exclaimed the spirit. Never, Scrooge responded. Touch my robe, the ghost of Christmas present said. Scrooge did as he was told and held it fast. Suddenly they were transported to the joy-filled home of his clerk, Bob Cratchit, who was helping his wife prepare a Christmas meal for them and their six children. Among those was smiling Tiny Tim, a crippled boy who hobbled around using a crutch. Often his father carried him. The Christmas meal included goose, mashed potatoes, apple sauce, Christmas pudding and roasting chestnuts. Bob led the family in a toast. A Merry Christmas to all, my dears. God bless us, which all the family re-echoed. God bless us, everyone, said Tiny Tim, the last of all. He sat very close to his father's side upon his little stool. Bob held his withered little hand in his, as if he dreaded that he might die and be taken from him. Spirit, said Scrooge, tell me if Tiny Tim will live. I see a vacant seat, replied the ghost. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. No, no, said Scrooge. Oh, no, kind spirit, say he will be spared. Just then, Scrooge heard his name. Bob was crediting Scrooge and his job for the meal. Thank you, Mr. Scrooge, Bob said. An irritated Mrs. Cratchit, though, would have none of it. I wish I had him here, she said. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I hope he'd have a good appetite for it. He's an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling man. Scrooge was the ogre of the family. The mention of his name cast a dark shadow on the party, which was not dispelled for a full five minutes. Scrooge was overcome with penitence and grief. This time Scrooge did not fall back asleep. Back in his house, he thought about Tiny Tim, about his employees, about his lack of generosity. Just then, another spirit, a third one, approached him, slowly, gravely, and silently. Are you the ghost of Christmas future? Scrooge asked. The spirit did not answer, but instead pointed onward with its hand. The spirit transported Scrooge to the scene of a group of businessmen who were chatting about the week's events. 
they were discussing the death of an old man. They were talking about the passing of Ebenezer Scrooge himself. When did he die? asked one of them. Last night, I believe. It's likely to be a very cheap funeral, said the first man. For upon my life, I don't know of anybody who will go to it. No one liked him. I don't mind going if a lunch is provided, one of the men chuckled. Everyone laughed. Scrooge was horrified. He pleaded with the spirit, Let me see some tenderness connected with a death. The spirit transported Scrooge to the house of his clerk, Bob Cratchit. The mother and her daughters were engaged in sewing. One of the boys was reading from the Bible. Suddenly, Bob Cratchit arrived home. Don't mind it, father. Don't be grieved. One of the girls exclaimed. He had been visiting Tiny Tim's grave. I wish you could have gone, Bob told his wife. It would have done you good to see how green a place it is. But you'll see it often. The spirit of Christmas future took Scrooge to one more place. An old, grassy, and neglected grave, bearing his own name. Ebenezer Scrooge, the gravestone said. It appeared as if no one had ever cared for the headstone. Why would they? It seemed no one liked the old man. Scrooge, in agony, pleaded to the ghost of Christmas future he would change. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year, he said. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. I will not shut out the lessons I have learned. Oh, tell me I may sponge away the writing of this stone. The next morning, Scrooge jumped out of bed, fluttered and glowing with his good intentions. He was thrilled to be alive, thankful for a second chance. I don't know what to do, Scrooge said, laughing and crying in the same breath. I am as light as a feather. I am as happy as an angel. I am as merry as a schoolboy. He opened his bedroom window and shouted out to everyone on the street below, Merry Christmas to everybody! A Happy New Year to all the world! Scrooge bought a turkey and had it sent to Bob Cratchit's house. He went to church and walked about the streets. He watched people hurrying to and fro and patted children on the head. Indeed, he found that everything could yield him pleasure. He had never dreamed that any walk through the city, that anything could give him so much happiness. The next morning, he was in the office early, waiting for his clerk. The clerk he had treated with contempt. Scrooge sat with his door wide open, 
that he might see him come in. A Merry Christmas, Bob, Scrooge said, with an earnestness that could not be mistaken as he patted him on the back. A merrier Christmas, Bob, my good fellow, than I have given you for many a year. I'll raise your salary and endeavor to assist your struggling family. Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. It was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. May that be truly said of us, and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. Ebenezer Scrooge got a second chance in life. Of course, we do too, each day. His story, in many ways, is our story. We serve a God of second chances, a God who saved our souls and wants us to represent him wherever we go. He's a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness, compassion and redemption. All the things Ebenezer Scrooge lacked until he was given a second chance. As you lay in bed now, rest in his presence, abide in his loving care, receive his everlasting peace. Let me pray for you. Dear God, thank you for this marvelous classic story that models the way you want us to live our lives as joy-filled people who have been given a second chance in life. I pray for this child of God that you will grant them wonderful dreams supernatural peace and your marvelous presence. Help them to wake up refreshed, ready to serve your kingdom. Bless them and guide them wherever they walk. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. As we prepare to hear this story of redemption and generosity, get comfortable. Let your head sink into the pillow. Stretch out your arms and legs. Take slow, 
deep breaths and let your muscles relax. Enjoy the sensation of your body resting and recovering after a long day. Close your eyes and meditate on the peace of God. Remember, sleep is a gift from God. Psalm 4.8 tells us, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Accept God's gift of sleep and his peace as we listen to a Christmas story that reflects many lessons God teaches us in Scripture. A Christmas Carol was first published in 1843, telling the fictitious story of a greedy London businessman named Ebenezer Scrooge. He was so selfish that he refused to give his workers enough coal to stay warm during the bitter cold winters. He was so selfish that he refused to donate money to a fundraiser for the poor. He was so selfish, in fact, that he hated Christmas. It was, after all, a holiday filled with cheer and generosity, things he despised. Scrooge lived only for himself. His perspective changed when three spirits visited him at night and let him see his past, his present, and his future. Join with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being the perfect model of generosity, compassion, and forgiveness. Your love for us never ends. We are in awe of you. I ask that you help this child of God rest in your presence. Soothe their aching muscles, calm their mind, grant them peace as they release their troubles to you. Give them tranquil dreams and Christ-centered thoughts. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. As we begin this bedtime story, it is three in the afternoon on Christmas Eve. But while many of London's citizens are preparing for a feast with their families, Ebenezer Scrooge and his clerk are at work in Scrooge's business. It is cold, bleak and foggy outside. Candles are flaring in the windows of the neighboring offices like ruddy smears upon the palpable brown air. Scrooge has a fire, but the clerk's fire is so much smaller 
that it looks like it was made with one piece of coal. But the clerk can't replenish it, for Scrooge keeps the coal box in his own room. The clerk, his name is Bob Cratchit, puts on his white comforter and tries to warm himself with his one single candle. He shivers. Just then, someone enters the business. A Merry Christmas, Uncle! God save you! cried a cheerful voice. It was the voice of Scrooge's nephew. Bah! said Scrooge. Humbug! Scrooge's nephew was all in a glow. His face was reddish and handsome. His eyes sparkled. What right have you to be so dismal? The nephew asked Scrooge. What reason have you to be gloomy? You're rich enough. What else can I be? returned Scrooge. When I live in such a world of fools as this, what's Christmas time to you but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a year older, but not an hour richer? If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with a Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart he should. Uncle, pleaded the nephew. Nephew, Scrooge said. Keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. That very night, though, Scrooge's outlook on life was forever changed as three spirits visited him. The ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future. Scrooge awoke that night, cold and troubled. It was so dark in his room that looking out of bed, he could scarcely distinguish the transparent window from the walls. He was still trying to pierce the darkness with his eyes when the chimes of a neighboring church struck one o'clock. Suddenly, the curtains of his bed were drawn aside by a hand. Scrooge, starting up into a half-recumbent attitude, found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who drew them. It was a strange figure, like a child, yet not so like a child as like an old man. Who and what are you? Scrooge demanded. I am the ghost of Christmas past. You mean long ago past? inquired Scrooge. No, your past, the ghost of Christmas past replied. Rise and walk with me. It would have been in vain for Scrooge to plead that the weather and the hour were not adapted to pedestrian purposes, that the bed was warm, and that the thermometer a long way below freezing that he was nursing a cold, too. Scrooge took the hand of the spirit, who transported Scrooge to scenes of his childhood, 
his school, his home, the streets where he once played. The ghost of Christmas past even showed Scrooge a scene from his years as a young adult when he broke a girl's heart. The younger Scrooge was sitting outdoors besides a fair young girl in a morning dress. She was crying. An idol has displaced me in your life, she said. A golden one. The girl continued. You fear the world too much. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one until your master passion, money, engrosses you. She left him, and they parted. Scrooge begged the spirit, Show me no more. Please take me home. The ghost of Christmas past obliged Scrooge, who, back in his house, quickly sank into a heavy sleep. Awaking in the middle of a prodigiously tough snore, and sitting up in bed to get his thoughts together, Scrooge heard the clocks chime once again. He also saw a ghostly light, apparently emanating from the adjoining room. He got up softly and shuffled in his slippers to the door. The moment Scrooge's hand was on the lock, a strange voice called him by his name and told him to enter. He obeyed. Scrooge entered timidly and hung his head before this spirit. He was not the dogged Scrooge he had been, and though the spirit's eyes were clear and kind, he did not want to meet them. I am the ghost of Christmas present, said the spirit. Heaped up on the floor were all sorts of foods. Turkeys, geese, poultry, plum puddings, barrels of oysters, red-hot chestnuts, cherry-cheeked apples, juicy oranges, and seething bowls of punch. You have never seen the likes of me before exclaimed the spirit. Never, Scrooge responded. Touch my robe, the ghost of Christmas present said. Scrooge did as he was told and held it fast. Suddenly they were transported to the joy-filled home of his clerk, Bob Cratchit, who was helping his wife prepare a Christmas meal for them and their six children. Among those was smiling Tiny Tim, a crippled boy who hobbled around using a crutch. Often his father carried him. The Christmas meal included goose, mashed potatoes, apple sauce, Christmas pudding and roasting chestnuts. Bob led the family in a toast. A Merry Christmas to all, my dears. God bless us which all the family re-echoed. God bless us, everyone, said Tiny Tim, the last of all. He sat very close to his father's side upon his little stool. Bob held his withered little hand in his, as if he dreaded 
that he might die and be taken from him. Spirit, said Scrooge, tell me if Tiny Tim will live. I see a vacant seat, replied the ghost. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. No, no, said Scrooge. Oh, no, kind spirit, say he will be spared. Just then, Scrooge heard his name. Bob was crediting Scrooge and his job for the meal. Thank you, Mr. Scrooge, Bob said. An irritated Mrs. Cratchit, though, would have none of it. I wish I had him here, she said. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I hope he'd have a good appetite for it. He's an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling man. Scrooge was the ogre of the family. The mention of his name cast a dark shadow on the party, which was not dispelled for a full five minutes. Scrooge was overcome with penitence and grief. This time Scrooge did not fall back asleep. Back in his house, he thought about Tiny Tim, about his employees, about his lack of generosity. Just then, another spirit, a third one, approached him, slowly, gravely, and silently. Are you the ghost of Christmas future? Scrooge asked. The spirit did not answer, but instead pointed onward with its hand. The spirit transported Scrooge to the scene of a group of businessmen who were chatting about the week's events. They were discussing the death of an old man. They were talking about the passing of Ebenezer Scrooge himself. When did he die? asked one of them. Last night, I believe. It's likely to be a very cheap funeral said the first man, for upon my life I don't know of anybody who will go to it. No one liked him. I don't mind going if a lunch is provided, one of the men chuckled. Everyone laughed. Scrooge was horrified. He pleaded with the spirit, let me see some tenderness connected with a death. The spirit transported Scrooge to the house of his clerk, Bob Cratchit. The mother and her daughters were engaged in sewing. One of the boys was reading from the Bible. Suddenly, Bob Cratchit arrived home. Don't mind it, father. Don't be grieved, one of the girls exclaimed. He had been visiting Tiny Tim's grave. I wish you could have gone. Bob told his wife. It would have done you good to see how green a place it is. But you'll see it often. The spirit of Christmas future took Scrooge to one more place, 
an old, grassy, and neglected grave, bearing his own name, Ebenezer Scrooge, the gravestone said. It appeared as if no one had ever cared for the headstone. Why would they? It seemed no one liked the old man. Scrooge, in agony, pleaded to the ghost of Christmas future he would change. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year, he said. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. I will not shut out the lessons I have learned. Oh, tell me I may sponge away the writing of this stone. The next morning, Scrooge jumped out of bed, fluttered and glowing with his good intentions. He was thrilled to be alive, thankful for a second chance. I don't know what to do, Scrooge said, laughing and crying in the same breath. I am as light as a feather. I am as happy as an angel. I am as merry as a schoolboy. He opened his bedroom window and shouted out to everyone on the street below. Merry Christmas to everybody! A Happy New Year to all the world! Scrooge bought a turkey and had it sent to Bob Cratchit's house. He went to church and walked about the streets. He watched people hurrying to and fro and patted children on the head. Indeed, he found that everything could yield him pleasure. He had never dreamed that any walk through the city, that anything, could give him so much happiness. The next morning, he was in the office early, waiting for his clerk. The clerk he had treated with contempt. Scrooge sat with his door wide open, that he might see him come in. A Merry Christmas, Bob! Scrooge said, with an earnestness that could not be mistaken, as he patted him on the back. A merrier Christmas, Bob, my good fellow, than I have given you for many a year. I'll raise your salary and endeavor to assist your struggling family. Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all, and infinitely more, and to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. It was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. May that be truly said of us and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. Ebenezer Scrooge 
got a second chance in life. Of course, we do too, each day. His story, in many ways, is our story. We serve a God of second chances, a God who saved our souls and wants us to represent Him wherever we go. He's a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness, compassion and redemption. All the things Ebenezer Scrooge lacked until he was given a second chance. As you lay in bed now, rest in his presence, abide in his loving care, receive his everlasting peace. Let me pray for you. Dear God, thank you for this marvelous classic story that models the way you want us to live our lives as joy-filled people who have been given a second chance in life. I pray for this child of God that you will grant them wonderful dreams, supernatural peace, and your marvelous presence. Help them to wake up refreshed, ready to serve your kingdom. Bless them and guide them wherever they walk. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.
Thank you.